Welcome to the Hook and Fang Podcast. I'm Kurt Graves. And I'm Masmetic. How are you doing? Good. Good. It's a gloomy day here in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Yeah, it's been pouring all day. It was like when I was driving here, it was dark, dark, like mm-hmm. very dark. So it has been like this weird, gloomy, drizzly, cold, pitch black day <laughs> up yeah. until like an hour ago. And there's like a little bit of sunlight peeking Tiny through. Tiny little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But it's been raining. It mm-hmm. will continue to rain later tonight. It's, you know what though? If I have to be inside, I don't mind these types of days. It's fine. I, I get pressure headaches when weird storms like this happen. Mm-hmm. So I've been riding that edge of like trying to get a headache all day, but it hasn't You've been fully... really trying. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm like, I don't <laughs> want it to tip that direction because I know my luck. Like, I'm fine now. I'll mm-hmm. get home and like be like, okay, I'll write or do something I want to do. That's when it'll kick in. Sure, sure. And I'm like, no, no, just please. <laughs> Not when you're at work. Yeah. But when you actually have free time, then mm-hmm. it will say, hello, yeah. I've been waiting. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Speaking of work, how is work? What are you working on? What's going on? What's what's Maz Maddox, author extraordinaire doing? <laughs> so um, I've been really making some good headway with find the, or not find the gin. I keep wanting to call it find the gin. Find gin too. Yes. Find him better. He done been found. Yes. <laughs> found the gin. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I've, I've got this, I'm in the point of writing where I'm like, I'm in love with the story. So mm-hmm. I can't wait to sit down to write. So I'm trying to ride that momentum. Cause I know eventually I'll hit the, like, I can't stand this right. anymore. But right now I'm in the puppy love phase where everything is great and like jess has read the first like four chapters so she's like doing good and i'm like yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah that's that's where my brain is so i'm i'm optimistic and happy about the story right now but by next week maybe we'll be like shit so we'll see oh (laughs) wouldn't that make mean you've made great progress though if by Mm -hmm. next week you're already like i'm over it yeah so i mean i guess it'd be a good thing so if i'm still excited about it that means i Probably got a, a little bit done, but not enough to hate it yet. <laughs> I mean, from this point forward, how long do you think it'll take for you to write a first draft? Mm, it's like late October now. So I think realistically, I if I could keep at the same pace, if not better, I can probably get the first draft knocked out by like late December, early January. Okay. If I really so like that's, I mean, that's down. a reasonable. Yeah, I, I think I, so. I mean, not knowing anything to me that sounds like a reasonable amount of time mm-hmm. to write a book yeah you know you're, you're not like saying oh it'll be done by the end of the month yeah no god no. <laughs> <laughs> no not like some of the awesome authors that we talked to recently they're like oh yeah i put out like five books in eight mm-hmm. months or something I'm like what the right <laughs> right yeah no I, it'll take me longer <laughs> plus i've got to i want to finish this book up and then try to be maybe halfway through book three before i really put this book out because it's going to be interesting and so Mm -hmm. i want to make sure that book three is like has a at least a good window of when i think it's going to release because i don't want people to tie me to a stake and burn me so sure that's telling yeah yeah so Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. so i think we know what's happening at the end of book two something people are going to want to tie you to a stake and you want to be ready with book three yeah i'd be like it's fine it's fine i promise dropping some hands Mm -hmm. so yeah Yeah. i'm excited but it's progress gonna, it yeah. happens as it happens mm-hmm. indeed mm-hmm. so what about you what you've been working on uh i just wrapped up uh the audiobook mm-hmm. of the month yes which uh if you were listening on friday when this episode comes out it is now available to you Ta-da. uh so i finished prisoner uh finished the pickups finished the editing finished uploading it in all the places Mm -hmm. Uh, so that pretty much has a bow on it it's with the publisher and author now they're doing one last listen um so yeah that that was nice to be done yeah because as we've talked about even though we did one already Mm -hmm. it was your book it was the fifth book in the series right it didn't feel like a first book right yeah, this feels like the first book that Hoof and Fang Audio is doing mm-hmm. separately. Yeah, totally on its own. Yeah, yeah, it's not like one of us, one of right. our pr- production. Kind right. Of thing, so so uh, I'm. It was. It was just uh, there was some pressure there. Yeah. Because the whole time I'm thinking, this is not going to a production house, and it's not for a publisher. Like mm-hmm. this is all us. Yeah. Uh, and I have had. Just, very strong suspicions that we would make the author happy because mm-hmm. as she stated in her interview last week, she's a fan. Right. So it's like, I don't think I have to worry about disappointing her. Yeah. Uh, 
but it really like it's not just recording the audiobook it's also like putting my stamp of approval approval on it Mm -hmm. which i've never done really before yeah in this capacity so it was nerve-wracking i wanted it to be really good yeah well i i think it is i mean i'm i'm trying to not come at it totally biased because i'm also a fan and you're my friend and i Mm -hmm. enjoyed the book but i i mean i was in it i got to proof the whole thing and by like you know like three or four chapters in i was like committed to the story at that point so i mean i i kind of got really immersed into it and i really liked it so good i'm 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 optimistic that i think people are really going to jive with it Mm -hmm. i i really enjoyed the story good so So yeah that's done and now i'm working on a short story anthology from uh the world of aces high jokers wild which was o.e tierman's uh book series yeah so they were on the podcast uh so yeah it's a series of short stories that sort of take place in between all the other books okay cool and then some like in the world stories from some other authors that are also a part of this anthology so oh, neat okay. it's yeah and this is a, a new challenge because i've never done an anthology before where mm-hmm. i was narrating everything yeah so yeah it's just i'm curious how my ocd brain will approach doing like one or two different stories mm-hmm. every day that is like, going to be interesting. no consistency, no through line. Yeah. <laughs> no getting bored. R- well, yeah, because it's constantly different. So, yeah. That is interesting. interesting. Yeah, that's cool. I, so, I don't know. Do they, do they typically do like audiobooks for anthologies? I don't know if I've, um, I've ever seen one. Every once in a while. Oh, yeah? Every okay. once in a while. Do they mix so, up the narrators or is it typically just like one? Like, have you um, done another one like yeah, this? Yeah, I've done anthologies where I only do one story. Okay. But I haven't. This is the first one that's like inside a universe that I already narrate. And mm-hmm. so I'm doing all of them. That's so cool. So, yeah, I like that a lot. That's neat. I, I hope it turns out well. Yeah. It's like I said, it's just uh, the unknown. Yeah. Is unknown. Yeah. So you never know how it's going to go. That's kind of all you could do is just do your best and hope for the best when that kind of stuff happens. Yeah. yeah. Sounds cool. Try, try to enjoy the ride. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> you just don't know. Uh, but I mean, again, having been in the world for so long, I'm not even so much worried about the the stories that are like in between the main events because those are written by O.E. Tierman and they exist in, with the characters that I already know. Right. Um, it's these other th- stories that are yeah. different authors and telling just totally different so stories cool, from within the world. Yeah, I, I that idea of like inviting authors to basically just do like fan fiction in your mm-hmm. world, basically, that's yeah. super neat. That's like, Man, I wonder if I could loop somebody in and do that. Be like, hey, do you want to play in any of my worlds? Yeah. Like, that'd be cool. You never know. Mm. Something to think about. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, yeah. So, and as as we just talked about, uh, Prisoner is now available to our Patreon subscribers, mm-hmm. uh, which means you either woke up today with it already in your book funnel library, or you just have to log into Patreon to get the special link for our dear listeners. Uh, it is also available through our online store. Yep. If you are a purchaser and not a subscriber. Uh, we love you either way. Yes. <laughs> so you can go to our online store and just uh, and just buy it outright. Uh, a reminder, if you are a subscriber, even at the Dear Reader level, you do get a discount. Mm-hmm. So if that's something you are interested in, uh, you can certainly do that. Yeah. That's good stuff. Sign up, get the discount, then go buy the book. Yep. And the book's only available for a couple days, 10 days after we put it up. Well, the book will be available forever and always. Yes, I'm mean, uh, sorry for, for one, the page for the for one year. It will yeah. be available in our online store. But mm-hmm. yes, if you want to get it as a perk of your dear listener membership, uh, you have ten days to sign up at the dear listener level, and then it will be sent to you. Perfect. So uh, after the ten days, then you start banking audiobooks for the next month. Yes. So. Uh, but even then, whenever you join, you will always have access to the back catalog mm-hmm. of. Uh, audiobooks and that discount. Yes. So good stuff. Not that I want to encourage you to wait. Yeah, no, it's, it's better to do now. it now. But Just go ahead and sign up now. Yeah. If if something happens and like the world explodes for you in ten days, you can still mm-hmm. get a discount later. So yeah. Very yeah. good. Um as I was recording it, I think I figured out part of why the book appealed to me in the way that it did. Uh, did you ever read My Side of the Mountain Mm-mm. as a kid? No. It was a book that my mom really liked and I ended up reading uh and 
the funny thing is I went to see if like, oh, have they ever done an audiobook of this? And they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, who narrated it? And it's my friend, Michael Crouch. <laughs> who I'm like, of course that bastard got it. <laughs> so uh, he's wonderful. And that makes perfect sense. But I was like, ah. He got. He's one of the Animorphs narrators too. And oh, like, really? He just keeps getting the books from my childhood that That's I think. Great. Oh, somebody should narrate this. It should be me. It's just nope, Michael. It's Michael Crouch. <laughs> um, but yeah. So if if anybody read that book, there's definitely a section of Prisoner that just reminds me of my side of the mountain. That's cool. So nice. Yeah. And uh, we want to keep the excitement high for Prisoner for a while longer. But mm-hmm. just so you know, uh, we will next week on the podcast be revealing who our November or what our November pick is. Yes. Both the author and the book. Yes. We'll tell you both things. (laughs) Yeah. Double whammy. Who and what. (laughs) So that's coming up next week. Um, But in the meantime, happy Halloween. Yeah. We're like, this will be the Friday before Halloween. Yes, it will. This is our Halloween episode. Woohoo. Spooky. Um, Do you like my costume? I love it. Are you going as a narrator? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) or podcast host yeah either one take your pick (laughs) dog dad hey that's a good one husband yeah all All those things yeah good costume yeah no i wore white glasses that that makes it a halloween costume perfect Mm -hmm. yeah it's like spooky ghost glasses spooky ghost i don't know man (laughs) i'm reaching uh i am curious if you had any halloween traditions growing up so I, man, Halloween as a kid was like the best. I, I was definitely the kid that I loved dressing up. I, I like, I had to go as either a Ninja Turtle for the first couple of years I could remember being in a costume or I was a monster. It was like nothing else. I was never okay. any type of like, I don't know, princess or anything. I had to be something terrifying or I wasn't happy. So like I could not wait to get into a costume when I was a kid. It was just the best. A mutant of some nature. Yeah, a mutant of Got some it. nature. So either a mutant turtle or a skeleton thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, man, I was I loved Halloween as a kid, and like we did the trick or treating thing, and I probably did it a little too long because I <laughs> you were one of those. Yeah, I think I I remember being a kid who was I don't know how old I was, but I was definitely taller than everyone else there. And at one point I had to take off my mask because I was making a little kid cry. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think this is the last year I can do this. <laughs> like, Because it was legitimately scary. Yeah. Like the little kid was like freaking out and the mom kept looking at me and I kept being like, well, then take her to another house. Why are y'all following right. us? You know what I mean? Like, go away, go across the street. Um, but yeah, I had to take off my mask and be like, okay. But yeah, I kind of missed that. I missed that, I don't know, whimsy of dressing up and making a whole night of it. Cause we always mm-hmm. started like right as the sun was going down. It was Texas. So it was right. still hot outside, but to me it was like, Ooh, it's a little crisp in the air. Cause maybe there's a slight breeze. <laughs> so man, I, I loved it when I was a kid. Yeah. Do you have any costumes that you remember? Um, no, none that really stick out. I, I probably was a Ninja Turtle at some point too. I think we all, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I think everybody was. Do you have a favorite shirt? Have we ever talked about it? Do you have a favorite Ninja Turtle? I don't have strong opinions about the Ninja Turtles. Oh, no? So, no. Oh, okay. Uh, who was the kind of smarty pants one? Uh, Donatello. That's probably him. Yeah. Right? That's Jess's favorite, too. That's probably it. Yeah. So, uh, but I, as evidenced by the fact that I could not remember a single name. Yeah. <laughs> in this I can moment, see it's, it means a lot to you. <laughs> uh, who was the bad Shredder? Was he the bad guy? Yeah, Shredder was the bad guy. Like... He was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> am, I, am I allowed to say Shredder? Yeah, yeah. Shredder's neat. Oh. I mean, he's cool. I don't, I, I'm sure there were costumes of him. I don't think. I was always either. I think I had to be Raphael because I couldn't find a Michelangelo. So it was just Raphael. Mm-hmm. Michelangelo. Michelangelo was like my top favorite and still is. Like, right. I'm still very much that nerd. And so other than, oh, okay. So I'm remembering now I used to play the video game on my Super Nintendo. Yeah. So they not only had different colored masks. Mm-hmm. They had different weapons. Yeah. So which one was Michelangelo? The one with the nunchucks and orange. Oh. Yeah, he was the doofy, happy one. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. That tracks. Yeah. No, we did. We always did trick or treating as a kid, but the October thirty first is also my mom's birthday. Ah. So it was like quick. Let's get the the trick or treating out of the way, and then go to my mom's birthday party. Gotcha. So 
my strongest memories of Halloween are really just kind of like gathering in our house with friends and family after the trick-or-treating. And just to celebrate my mom, cake, um, almost always, it's uh, we served Wisconsin chili. What is that? Do you know? Okay, so Wisconsin chili is not really chili. Okay. It is... <laughs> It contains some of the elements of chili, chili, but then it kind of bastardizes it. Okay. So it is, it's soupier than chili. It has like a broth. Okay. So there, and there's like a tomato, it's like a tomato broth. Sure. But it's definitely soupy. Okay. Uh, and it does have the beans and like the ground beef in it and like a whiff of spices. Like, okay. Just a, <laughs> a little bit of that, you know, chili, chili powder, chili stuff? powder flavor mm -hmm. that like, is present in real chili, but in Wisconsin chili, it's more like hinting at a spice. Okay. Uh, and then the real pièce de résistance is the spaghetti noodles that are I in the chili. Didn't see that coming. Mm -hmm. Nope. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it's like a spaghetti noodle soup with beans and and like for me, literally to eat it, I had to crush up saltine crackers and put it in it and kind of like turn it into like more of a mush yeah uh because it needed the salt from the crackers <laughs> really <laughs> making this town appetizing <laughs> yeah. well and I, I mean it it really was a, a gentrified version of chili oh my <laughs> like God. it is the midwest wisconsin version of chili so that's and then you could like put cheese on it of people course. people put cheese on it right like, put cheese on everything here yeah i mean so, awesome, so i would say i'd make it for you but i i have no desire to eat it ever again yeah, it's fair. I, I think I would have a bowl if somebody made some at like a gathering. I'd sure. be like, sure. But would I make it myself? Probably not. No, no. no. Um, I actually, I have the distinction of having lived in two places that have its own kind of messed up chili. Okay. Uh, Wisconsin being one of them. Sure. And Cincinnati being the other. I went to school for a year in Cincinnati. Okay. Uh, where they have a totally different kind of chili. Uh, originated by a restaurant called Skyline, although you can get it in other places, this Cincinnati-style chili. Okay. Uh, it also includes spaghetti noodles. Weird. Okay. But, but in this case, it is just a pile of spaghetti noodles, and then on top of it is a chili uh, that's made with ground beef and a bunch of spices, including chocolate. So it has a real like depth of flavor to it. Ooh. And then piled high with shredded cheddar cheese. Interesting. Like, and I'm not... Nobody's fucking around with this cheddar cheese. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like spaghetti, okay. a little bit of meat sauce, cheddar cheese. Wow. Like it is a mound. Yeah. It's a full cheese. mountain of cheese. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sometimes people put onions on there too. That was never my thing. You can put little saltine crackers on it too. I did do those. Sure. Um, and then you eat it like spaghetti. Like you swirl it with the fork and it's a good. whole other thing. But that I do sometimes still crave. Yeah. That, that sounds good. That was like my... The few times I drank in college and would go out afterwards. Mm -hmm. like oh, that'd that, be a great... That like, was the, the drunk food. For sure. Man, that'd be great when you're like teenager drunk. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Or and, like and in college fact, drunk. I, I, if you're going to try it for the first time, I recommend being drunk. Okay. Because I actually tried it before drinking mm. and it, I wasn't a fan. And then I had it after drinking and I was like, I get it. Yeah, yeah. I get it now. So <laughs> now I appreciate Cincinnati Chili. I don't appreciate as much Wisconsin chili, but it is a part of my past. And then just sure. normal yeah. chili is yeah. great. Yeah. Now I just want chili. Like, Me too. I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. Maybe eh, Maybe that's dinner tonight. We'll yeah, find out. For sure. Uh, so have any of your Halloween traditions continued into now or have you made new ones? We kind of had to make our new ones when we moved up here. Because um, before we moved up here... My new Halloween tradition was always going to Jess's house for Halloween because she does a big mm. blowout Halloween party every year. Right. Um, they got married on Halloween. Like, it's a, their whole life. And, mm. like, their house is... she's a spooky, scary, she's, creepy person. Yeah, she's a spooky witch. And she's like, also all the time. really into Halloween. Yes, big time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah. So, her house now is, like, perpetually Halloween, like, year-round. So, like, when Halloween happens, neighborhood kids flock to her house because she does, like, little goodie bags. Like, she does candy but then she also has toy bags for kids who don't who can't have candy oh, so she does so it nice. every year and even if like teenagers show up she gives everybody everything so it's like she has a little witch cabin like she's in, that house yeah she's that house and they do 
big decorations in her front yard every year with like skeletons doing like goofy shit. Like this year, I think one's like sunbathing and it's just really fun. Like mm-hmm. they, they make it big every year. So that was my, my tradition for and, years. And she's in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. She's in so Texas. does she ever get accused of being a Satanist by no, a religious neighbor? No. I mean, she lives in like a really cool little neighborhood okay. that's like mostly, it was older people. So they kind of gave her a side eye, but a lot of those people are like, dying off so like younger families are moving in yeah so she's got like these really great neighbors now that are like young and they've got a lot of kids so they Mm -hmm. just think it's the coolest thing right um but yeah so when we moved up here i went from having something every halloween that i consistently looked forward to and would help them like carve pumpkins and stuff every year Mm -hmm. to just being like me and alex and covid so we couldn't do shit um so we've since become like we just do like monster movie or like horror movie marathons and we'll usually start them early october and like every weekend we have like a theme so we'll start with like slashers and then we'll go into monsters and then we'll do like um like more human-centric ones where it's more like a thriller instead of like mm. supernatural stuff and then we'll like end it on exorcism or something right. so we try to do something different every weekend so it's kind of fun and i'll like our apartment says fun to me like exorcism yay and so i try to do like themed food or like special candy or something just to mix or we'll do different like themed cocktails like i tried to do a vampire one last year it did not come out very well but i tried (laughs) so like i try to do something big because it was such a big fun part of our lives that we kind of had to just leave behind so that's our new traditions now is us eating too much and watching scary mm-hmm. movies. <laughs> well, maybe you should be the Halloween house. Well, I think when we, when we finally get into a house, I will become that bitch. Like <laughs> I want to get one of those like 12 foot skeletons. Like I want to really do it up, but we live in an apartment and they always come up with like weird excuses why we can't have shit outside. Uh-huh. So I can't even decorate outside anymore. So it has to stay within the apartment, which is lame. Yeah. Our Halloween tradition has become um, hiding in the back with all the lights off so nobody rings their doorbell. <laughs> That's how we are now. I mean, I got one trick-or-treater last year, so and I had made goodie bags and everything because I was really optimistic that mm-hmm. we were going to get some kids and we got none. Right. So now I'm going to just hide. Yeah, we, uh, we live on a pretty busy road, so we don't get a lot of trick-or-treaters to begin with. Yeah. But even the few that like brave <laughs> the speeding cars on our road <laughs> yeah. uh, who want to stop by our house we just try to make it as obvious as possible yeah there's there's no halloween spirit here <laughs> yeah, move on don't bother it's not gonna <laughs> not gonna serve you well just don't yeah that's fair i need to figure out when trick-or-treating is for us well yeah because they, they they change it and stuff because i always do sometimes it's on actual halloween mm-hmm. other times it's like the weekend before the Saturday before I got to figure it out because yeah. and different neighborhoods do it at different times. So that's confusing. People can bounce around. I know it's all just make it Halloween. Like, why are y'all changing the dates? Like if it rains, bring an umbrella. Right. That's what I did as a kid. Just I think part of it is just how dark it gets here that's true. in October. Uh, that's- and, and this once again will happen before we do the daylight savings time switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's just very dark at night. And yeah. so, if they want people to be out in daylight, they'll do like a Saturday from like noon to four oh. instead of like after school on a weekday. I think I would not know how to react if a kid knocked on my door at noon on a Saturday and was like trick or treat. I'd been like, well, you, you know, in advance. Yeah, you I guess. know in advance. Yeah. This, is, this is why I need to know when trick or treating is happening so I can sure. shut it down. <laughs> yeah. Have a little sign that just says go closed. away. Yeah. yeah just no. <laughs> No candy here. I, I used I used to even put out like a bucket so they mm-hmm. just wouldn't ring the bell, but they yeah. could come get candy if they wanted. I don't even do that anymore. Yeah. Because I just ended up with a bucket of candy. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. No, we have. We don't need that. Yeah, we have candy at the house right now because I bought some for, I thought for like a, a weekend. I was like, oh, maybe we'll get trick-or-treaters. And I was like, did you forget about last year? Mm-hmm. No. So we've been picking on it slowly. I'm like, I just need to dump it. Yeah. <laughs> just forget about it. You already brought this up a little bit, but like, do you have any favorite Halloween movies? Ones that you go back to every year? So we, I always like watching Trick or Treat every year, which is uh, like a horror movie. It's like a little anthology. So they tell three different, three or four different stories within the uh, movie. And there's this one little mascot goblin child who always shows up like at the end, like right before it kicks off. 
and his, his name is Trick or Treat Sam. He's got like a burlap sack over his head and he's scary. Um, okay. But it's it's a nice blend of really good fun horror, but it's campy and the stories usually take like a fun little twist that you didn't see coming. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I always kick off with Trick or Treat and then we'll do maybe The Thing. I really like that one, but it's kind of long. And Alex loves the Evil Dead series. I do too, but he loves the newest one the most. But we'll so we'll watch Evil Dead 1, 2, Army of Darkness, and then Evil Dead Rise. So Interesting. We don't do scary movies. Well, John might. I really... Yeah, I, I know I, it's not your bag. I do not do any sort of scary movie. Um, so mine is more like Halloween Town. Okay. I really enjoyed Halloween Town, the movie. <laughs> Rock and on. its sequels okay. <laughs> as a child. Uh, Debbie Reynolds as a grandma witch. What's not to love? Um love in the same vein, I'm a Hocus Pocus guy. We saw that one recently. I hadn't seen it since I was a kid because I, I had, I like, I, when we do horror movies, we do like scary, spooky shit. Sure. So we watched it. Where were we? We were in, oh, we were staying at a Milwaukee for Meet Me in Milwaukee and it came on mm. and we were watching it. And I was like, I haven't seen this since I was a child. It is still great. It's delightful. Yeah. I mean, it's not good. No. It's camp as yeah. fuck. Yeah, but that's um, what makes it but so it's good. Delicious. It's yeah. Bette Midler and mm-hmm. Kathy and Jimmy and Sarah Jessica Parker and yeah. just like all the nostalgia uh, that comes along with it. And it's a it's a pretty decent movie. Like, it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. It's a decent comedy. I was surprised at how much of it I could still quote. And I have not, like it'd been decades. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I remember, I must have watched that thing until it fell apart. Like right. It, VHS copy that we had, and and even though it's not scary, scary like mm-hmm. it still creeps me out a little bit. Oh yeah, that there's little, zombies. That, that book with mm-hmm. the human skin and the yeah. eyeball, the like Ew. Necronomicon looking yeah. thing. Love it. Sure, whatever that meant. <laughs> Do you not know about the Book of the Dead? I've heard of the Book of the Dead. I've never heard of the Necronomicon. No, yeah. we're not going there. <laughs> um, another day, nerd. <laughs> Uh, I will also say that last year, I think it was, Marvel put out uh, like a special that was like supposed to be its Halloween scary thing, yeah. uh, Werewolf by Night, uh, and I thought it was really well done. I and haven't like, seen it. I was, I, I saw it, I, I think it was just last year that it came out. I'm okay. 90% sure. Uh, and I was thinking like, oh, I should rewatch that because it's just a short, like hour long special. Okay. And it's like just scary enough yeah. for me to be like spooked, but not pissing myself so okay cool i'll check it out the level we enjoy okay over here at shea graves so (laughs) good to know all right i'll have to check it out no so uh we would love to hear about any halloween movies that you guys are passionate about that you watch Mm -hmm. every year uh i would say send us your recommendations but again if it's at all scary i won't be watching it i will Um, but you can maybe have maz watch it and Mm -hmm. you guys can talk about it uh and if you know any others that are just super gay Man. Those I'm interested in. Yeah. Do we know any, like, really good, like, gay horror stuff? Not gay horror? I don't give a shit about gay horror. Uh, I'm talking gay Halloween movies. Okay, well, both. Costumes I, and lights and candy and fun. Okay, yes, that too. But if anyone knows any, any really good, like, gay horror movies, please tell me about them. I would love to know about them. Okay. Putting that out in the universe. Somehow find a way to only tell Maz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just being, or like send me an email or something because I want to know. Only them. tell Maz, not me. Yeah. Um, this week we talked to Justin Schilke. Uh, Justin is the author of the middle grade series Journals and Journeys and the young adult series The Incarnate Accounts, which has a couple scary moments. Okay. It uh, it includes some some spooky chapters. Love it. Uh, he is a Washington native living in Seattle with his husband James and their cat Vincent. Justin graduated from the University of Washington with a degree in English. When he's not writing, he is a gaming enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You had to sit through like 30 minutes of us just rambling about Baldur's Game. Right. So. Although sorry. listeners should not expect to hear that portion no. right now. That will be a bonus episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but for the part of a conversation that happened before they went down their rabbit hole mm-hmm. of games... Uh, This is our interview with Justin. Welcome to Hoof and Fang, Justin Schilke. Thank you. Did I pronounce your name correctly? You did, and with no prep, I'm very impressed. (laughs) Well, so Schilke is a pretty common name around these parts. Yes, uh, okay. 
It's not around here. So that's, it's kind of fun to hear that. Yeah. So where is here now for you? Uh, I am homegrown Washingtonian. Uh, me and my husband live in Seattle, born and raised, both of us. So we're not that adventurous. Uh, mm. We live out our adventures in our, in my books. Um, <laughs> but yes, I'm in <laughs> Seattle and I'm very lucky to have James. We're J and J. Nice. That's awesome. Nice. Yes. So you're rich because you live in Seattle. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, uh, we're actually quite broke you know you because we live in Seattle. you can a castle here for whatever you're paying there? <laughs> I, I have you heard that, You live in a yes. castle in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, I, I have heard that. <laughs> actually, I have family in Wisconsin, so it makes sense that you've heard that name from around there. <laughs> yes, yes. No, it is, it is very common. Yes. Uh, in our little German-Polish bubble here, we get lots of, <laughs> yes. lots of Schulkies. Yes, um, I think it's Schulke in German. <laughs> Oh, well, oh, I cool. never took German. Yeah, well, neither did I. So, so sorry yeah. to those people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are so excited to talk to you about uh, your work in particular, because I was introduced to you through the algorithm. Every once in a while, Amazon does something right. And this Yay. was one of them. Awesome. We're just like, put your book in front of me. And the cover was intriguing. And the blurb was intriguing. And I was like, I'm going to read you, this. Jeff Brown. Yeah, I was going to say, your, all of your covers for both of your series are so pretty. Like, I Thank love you. them. So. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm in love. I'd love to take credit, but the, it, uh, they say that um, a picture is worth a thousand words. This person w w had to make a hundred thousand words into a picture, and they did such an amazing job. They did. Yeah. They I did. mean, you can let them know. It worked. It worked on <laughs> yes, me. Yes, I love that. So, so yeah, I was, I was really excited to to read it. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, you had the audacity to already be working on an audiobook when I reached out to you. Yeah. There. Um, but despite <laughs> that, I liked the work enough <laughs> to continue to follow you and to continue with the series. But, um, so I'm talking about your, your YA series. So why don't you start, uh, and tell us a little bit about the incarnate accounts? Yes, absolutely. So they're my baby. Um, so, uh, they follow Emery Lupul. And uh, the conceit of the novels is that, unlike other uh, urban fantasies, there aren't vampires or devils or werewolves. There's only one of each thing. So there's the vampire, the werewolf, and they are representative of that entire uh, mythical fan base. And so I play a lot with uh, the expectations that you have on those creatures and how the myth has developed over the course of time. And so that's kind of the uh, world building side of it. And then Emery is this very flawed individual who is uh, in the first book is trying to figure out his own murder because he is murdered in the opening pages. And so incarnates, they come back to life a thousand and one days after they die, as long as the myth endures. Mm -hmm. And so he is, he comes to life about three years later, and is immediately attacked again. Someone is uh, aware of, of him and what he is. And so he's kind of racing to solve his own murder before he has to wait another thousand and one days. Yeah, it's a very cool concept. Yeah, I really <laughs> like you. that. Thank That's you. Very cool. How did you I come up with that? <laughs> I don't know. It was percolating, I think, for 20 years. It, <laughs> it's uh, okay. So, um, like a lot of authors that have been on the show before me, I kind of got my start back in like first grade when I drew a little book. It was a 12 page masterpiece, of course, illustrated by my brother. And, uh, and it kind of, I don't know, it's kind of those moments where like, you feel like a proud parent of a doctor, you know, sees their three-year-old pick up a stethoscope and go, that's, you know, they're going to be a doctor. And that I, I like to think that my parents thought the same thing when they, you know, saw by me with this 12 page masterpiece. It was I'm about sure. superheroes, yeah. of course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so I wrote a little bit in, in high school, actually for my senior project, I wrote a book that is, it's essentially fan fiction of my favorite fantasy authors. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, then I kind of just found other creative outlets for years while I climbed the corporate ladder. And then like a lot of people, the pandemic, you know, it, it hit us and I lost my corporate job. And, uh, my husband, who has always been my biggest fan, uh, he had been wanting me to quit for years to write. And I was like, love to, but I'm in the real world and didn't think it was a possibility. Mm -hmm. uh, and now I'm living that dream, thanks in part Yay. to him. Yay. <laughs> and, uh, and so when I quit or when I lost my job in the pandemic, he 
uh, decided to go out and get a job, put his artistic side aside uh, to support me. And we kind of swapped places, which was weird. And uh, and I went to work and I wrote Incarnate in five weeks. So clearly it was Shut just up. inside Holy me. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, that's... Woo. Yes, that's don't a, worry. That's crazy. I did not publish it in five weeks. <laughs> it went through several rounds of editing. <laughs> well, of course, but still. I yeah, mean, was it outlined? Did you... Even in your head, like, did you know the whole story and it was just a matter of getting like, how five weeks? So I would love to tell everyone out there that you should definitely plot and outline because it's very important. I did not listen to my own advice for book one, but every book after has been a very strict and stringent story outline, which is one reason my books has improved every time that I've read I've written a new one is because I've started to use a lot more outlines and making sure that everything makes sense from the get go. I can relate to all of that. (laughs) (laughs) I just recently, uh, I just recently read Smash and Grab. Loved it, by the way. Thank you very much. Oh, that Spinosaurus scene. I love when we have like author appreciation on our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You're great. No, you're great. No, you're great. No, I'm great. (laughs) Okay. So I already told you I came from the corporate world and the author community is just so magical in comparison. Mm. Instead of being like, everyone's coveting their own secrets. It's like, no, I just want to see you succeed. (laughs) And it's, yeah, probably been the coolest part about joining the author community. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a we're all just big, happy nerds that just want to see everybody else succeed. Like I, I genuinely get so happy when somebody has a new release and it's doing well. Like I'm not even a part of that journey. And I'm like, I feel like I'm like, yes, there. Like, it, yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, well, that's not I what you that. say behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> that is a joke. Yeah. That was a big joke, everybody. <laughs> Trying yeah. to get me sabotaged. <laughs> no, exactly. Right? Nine episodes in, that's a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> she's online being like, "I'm so happy for you, congratulations!" But like, the inner dialogue is, "I'm so happy for you, congratulations." <laughs> no, no, that's no, not I true. That's, that's not it's, true. It's that's exactly just how my brain works. <laughs> that's not true so either. I'm I'm happy for other people to have success as long as it's a little bit less than me. Okay. So, yeah. Well, no. I mean, isn't that kind of human nature? <laughs> Um, well, I think it's very German. So I think if you have a German background, little schadenfreude lives inside of you at all times. (laughs) Got some hot takes on this episode. Mm. Right? I I could just see this going down a very, very bad rabbit hole. (laughs) If I haven't gotten canceled by now. Plus I get to edit the podcast. So yeah, exactly. That's good. That's good. You can take out all my ums and nervous laughters. Except for the endearing ones. (laughs) They're adorable. Exactly. The, the, oh, I was uh, kidding. What I have learned through <laughs> editing the podcast is like, if you take all of those out, you sound like a robot. Yeah. So, you know, you got to keep the humanity in, in the conversation. <laughs> but um, there's no segue back to, I just want to go back to talking about the book <laughs> because I loved it so much. Um, I just, I just thought the concept was so cool. And I guess I'm wondering like how much of it was originally there and how much developed over time as you were writing it. Um, because just the concept of like, our collective imagination creates these beings is just such a cool way to think about how magic and myth can exist in the world. Um, and in its way then perpetuates its own existence because the little glimpses that humanity gets of these incarnates also then spurs the myth. Yes, yes, absolutely. In fact, as the series goes on, it becomes kind of important. You'll see, All of my uh, uh, prologues are set in uh, past lives. And a lot of times you see Emery sort of laying the groundwork for certain myths to continue as the books go on so that you see that he's actually working somewhat hard to perpetuate some of these myths so that they continue to live on as incarnates. And I did kind of make a flaw in my writing in that I have a major, huge twist right at the very end of the first book, which makes it very hard to talk about Emery. <laughs> yes, that <laughs> because is Because in the first book, he's sort of, so he, he believes that he is the monster hunter incarnate, that he's kind of like a Buffy, the vampire slayer, that uh, Dresden, that kind of um, mm-hmm. character. And he learns very early on that there is another monster hunter incarnate and there's no such thing as two incarnates. So he right. has to come to terms with either this person's a liar, which is his go-to, or maybe I'm something else. And, uh, and so a big mystery is who is Emery Lupul? And it's answered at the end of the first book, but 
not at all marketable in the sequels because sure, it would sure, give sure. away the whole first book. <laughs> exactly. Oh, wow. Yes. Although I will say, I think there's plenty of entertaining things there, even if that little secret got spoiled. All right. Fair enough. I think there's uh, plenty there to keep the reader engaged, <laughs> but we will not spoil it. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, yes, I, yes. Saying, I don't know the secret. So like, don't say anything. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> so uh, uh, in terms of um, where I came up with some of the, the concepts, I've always been, I'm a big gamer. Um, I, I play, uh, everything that has fantasy on it and i mean everything i play board games i play video games i play app games um and so i've always been really interested in especially mythology and uh like greek mythology and gods and that kind of thing and a lot of those stories oftentimes come down to like who believes in them is is what like how they get their power and so i just kind of took that to the next level with my own mythology yeah i love that i also loved greek mythology growing up and I think that's a source of a lot of my nerdiness is is learning about those myths and yes and, and well and how they contrast with like the myths I was learning in my church and things like that yeah. we've talked about on the podcast <laughs> before um so yeah I love I love it makes sense that I connected to the story in that way because I I also have that in my background I really Yeah that. well thank you um yeah I also as I said I've I've learned a ton since I put out my first book and um, everyone that comes out, I feel like, okay, I could, I could do this. Like, I almost feel like the first one was like this lucky fluke and then, well, uh, and, and, yeah. And so and, and then as I've continued, it's like, I've sort of narrowed down what an incarnate book is to me. And it's, it's a lot of fun. This last one I got to like twist in, it's not actually released yet. Uh, book four, it's coming out at Thanksgiving and I got to like entwine like six different mysteries from the get-go because I'm kind of done with the world building exposition side of things. Right. And so to kind of keep it to that same page count, I get to like, I don't know, I get to, to play around with um, you get to actually a lot do of the more. twists. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Awesome. And, well, I, can't I, and I feel like that I've matured fun. a little bit with Emery <laughs> through the process. For sure. So can you tell us a little bit more about what book four is about? Sure. Um, book four is actually kind of a spiritual successor to Incarnate because it takes place on the third anniversary of the events that occur in the first book, um, the Ahedrian murders, which kind of mm -hmm. sets off the pace of the first book. And so Emery is back in New York, which, by the way, I have never been to New York and do not do not suggest starting off your first book in a city you've never been to. <laughs> oh, I was really lucky that my editor had lived there for several years. So she was able yes. to be like, this is not how you say that. <laughs> <laughs> this um, is not a thing. <laughs> yeah, this is it. And also you sound like someone who's never been there. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, he's back in New York and um, he's actually there to meet his boyfriend's parents, all six moms um and it's kind of starts off as this meet the parents kind of rom-com that devolves very quickly into a murder mystery as some sort of uh copycat type person is mimicking the hedrian murders but to throw in some extra twists he's also seeing the perpetrator from book one everywhere he goes and he's like that shouldn't be possible with the knowledge mm. he knows of incarnates and so He's kind of trying to solve both mysteries. Cool. That is cool. And continuing my Alice in Wonderland theme, which is 100% for my husband. It's his favorite. Uh, it is called oh, Off nice. With Their Heads. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That is cool. Uh, I also wanted to ask about the queerness of the book. Yes. Because one, th like, obviously the algorithm knew to put it in front of me because I like <laughs> queer shit. But it's also like the first book, it takes a while to get there to like the super queer, to, to I guess, explicit queerness of it. Like mm -hmm. it sort of winks and nods at it for part of the book, but it doesn't really find its way to like, yes, this is a queer relationship until pretty close to the end. And like, how, how did you approach telling a queer story in a YA book? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That? Obviously this one is near and dear to my heart. Um, so I think that uh, it is probably a reflection subconsciously or otherwise of my own experiences. I did come out a bit later in life. Um, 
I'll actually get into my whole family life really quick and make it a side note. Um, mm-hmm. But I, my, my younger brother is gay and we're the only two in our uh, two kids in our family. And so him coming out actually sort of pushed my coming out back and not because he wasn't loved for it because he was actually accepted very well. It was because I had a lot of, uh, I felt a lot of pressures about being the quote unquote normal or living the, the, um, you know, straight life. And so I, it, it closeted me for years. Um, something that, you know, my whole family regrets obviously, but it has a happy ending because my husband is about eight years younger than me. And so I never would have met him if the timing hadn't worked out just right. Sure. Um, so, you or know, it would have been ending. real creepy <laughs> or real creepy, real. I do that with creepy. my husband sometimes <laughs> when he's talking about like something he was doing in college. And I was like, mm-hmm, I was in the second grade. Yeah. <laughs> so it's real fun you being on the me. other side of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he loves to say, yeah, you're super old. That's his just go to, you know, I'll be like, hey, I don't really understand how to do this social media thing. Well, yeah, you're super old. Why would you? <laughs> Thanks. All right. Thanks, well, sweetie. I like him less now. <laughs> you shouldn't because it's all in jest. Um, <laughs> I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> if you haven't picked up on it, Kat is, or Kurt Kat? is catty enough. Kat. I flipped it immediately and messed up my well, own Kat joke. Kat is courty enough. Let's be yeah, real. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Lord. Uh, but yes, so he, uh, he teases me all the time, but I, you know, it's great. Um, so in his family, we also have a very modern family. And so, uh, I feel like, um, coming into his family, um, we have some, uh, siblings who are trans. Um, and, and, and so it was really important to me to, uh, introduce this in a way that was, um, in a way that felt like it reflected what I wanted to see in novels that I wanted to read when I was that age, before I was out and before I really knew how I was feeling, but also presented in a way where it isn't, uh, I don't know if you guys are at all familiar with Shit's Creek, but one of the mm-hmm. things on it is that they kind of created this world where it's totally a kind of a non-issue. And I wanted my first book to uh, have that sort of feeling or, or world. And I will admit that that baseline changes as the series continues because it became more and more of a, a special uh, series to me. And I wanted it to reflect more of the queerness. Um, mm. And so as I went on, I actually dip into it a lot more. And, and uh, one reason why is because I got reviews that said, I wish there was just a little bit more time spent on that, relationships between the characters and so by the time i got that review i was already done with book two but book three Mm -hmm. is an homage to that reviewer so thank you whoever you are uh because i really took the time to flesh out some of those relationships and focus a little bit more on the queerness because it is so important to the series but you're right in book one it's it's um i wanted it to be more of like a almost coming of age type of uh, meeting between them rather than like a hot and heavy type steamy romance. Right. right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a young, it's a young adult romance. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't even call it a romance. It's a young adult story. I agree. That includes. Yes. I some agree. And, romance. and yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why literal demons, the third book in the series is probably, um, one of my favorites is because it delves so much more into the relationships between him and Caden and so much more into the queer identity. It brings in his ex, from previous lifetimes it's just a lot of fun and it really it felt like i was sort of opening up the the locks on my own personality and experiences and finally telling that story that i kind of wanted to from the beginning but didn't know how yeah i don't think uh it's in any way a bad thing that it was (laughs) a you know i mean i but it is one of those things where like i'm reading it as a queer adult and being like okay i think i see i think i see where this is going um uh, but then i i do always wonder like for somebody who doesn't have that instinct or that eye like did, did you secretly get them to like a queer person in the form <laughs> of a character in your book and oh. they're like hey gotcha i <laughs> certainly hope now. not yeah. <laughs> i certainly hope no, not. i hope you do like that's the sort of thing i want to happen let me let me like, rephrase what what i hope i'm not doing is 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 pulling a bait and switch i want to be up front i am a queer author i love the queerness in my books and it's an important aspect of them and it's and i really wanted it to to be approachable to every audience and make it feel like um I, I don't know that that it's not deviant, which is such an old school way of thinking. Um, I just wanted it to feel like it was natural and wholesome 
And that was one right. of the things that I was really going for in it. And that reflects my own relationship with my husband, which I, I don't, uh, in terms of like, it's sweet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing if you trick a few bigots into reading your book and they end up, think, and they end up thinking differently about something. Cause they're I like, would oh. be totally happy with that. <laughs> you know? Yes, absolutely. I think that's fine. Uh, you also wrote uh, a middle grade series in which I, I assume there is uh, fewer queer relationships, but I haven't read it. So tell me all Actually, about that one. Actually, because it's a oh, little bit like, no, further. That one's super hot and heavy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I did try to develop more uh, 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 queer representation in the book from the start. And I also have it. It's, it's set in, um, it's one of those worlds where uh, the characters start on Earth, but then they're transported to another world, kind of like Jumanji style. This, by the way, is my homage to tabletop RPG games because the group sits down to play a game called J and J, which is obviously uh, a. Uh, I see what you did yeah. there. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so it's journals and journeys, and they um, and so they sit down to play it, and then they're Jumanjied into the game, and so uh, they're in another world where it's definitely not a an important part of that world. But what is important is the relationship between the two main characters um, is very like the main character, Lucas, is out from the beginning at his school and he's kind of the outcast for it. And he's pretty much head over heels for his best friend, who's like the school jock. And so and he is not um, he has not yet come up with his own identity in terms of queerness and so it's kind of about that crush on a maybe straight guy and how that comes together spoilers he's not straight but uh that's the that's the story and it's also right and it's also my first attempt at writing a trans character and from like the point of view of them Mm -hmm. especially book two and i have to be honest with you it was a it was really hard for me to uh it was, it was really hard for me because I wanted, I put so much pressure on it. I wanted to, it to be perfect and I wanted to do the community proud. And so it was a very difficult journey for me, but it was so worth it. And it, I feel like the payoff at the end of the second book is like one of my favorite moments in writing history for my own books. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. That makes me happy. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> that's a warm fuzzy for me. Right. For sure. Good. Especially yeah. since it all like wraps around tabletop stuff, which I'm also very passionate about. So it's like yes. extra lovely. Okay, yes. right, 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 right. Before you guys talk about <laughs> video I'm games, like waiting waiting I'm not done yet. I'm not done it. yet. I want to I bring up one other thing real quick, uh, which is that you are actually narrating that middle grade series. I yes? am. I'm sorry. No, uh, it's, <laughs> I'm only fake mad. Uh huh. Um, you have every okay, I'm a little bit real mad, but I'm mostly <laughs> fake mad. Well, it's a joke. Uh, yes. But yeah, so you did that. You're doing that series. Are you doing the other series as well now? Yeah. So uh-huh. I just recently. Okay. So first of all, my brother, uh, he lives in Hollywood and he does voice acting stuff and he is just so talented. And so he agreed to do my first book, but because of conflicts with, um, like the timeliness of things and, and just, um, I mean, he is so busy, uh, working on a tabletop game, actually, Maz. <laughs> um, oh, really? He, yes. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he works, um, roll 20 D 20 dimension, dimension Critical 20. Role? No oh. dimension 20. The, the one with Brennan. Um, oh, nice. Yes. Okay. Wait, sorry. Even I know that person. That's awesome. Hey! Yes. He's attractive so, and on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My brother TikTok is, uh, knows to show me the hot nerds. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start following you on TikTok. Uh, so, um, yeah, so he's an editor on that show. So he's really busy. And, uh, and so I was just like, I'm going to take it over, which worst decision ever to follow in his footsteps, just ginormous <laughs> shoes to fill. But uh, I did my own, uh, my own loophole ex machina, which is book two. And then I've also done uh, book one of Spellsworn. And I will be doing book two soon, as well as literal demons and then off with their heads. So I've got a busy couple of months ahead. <laughs> Yeah. That's awesome. That's How yeah. are you finding that process? I know we've emailed about it a couple of times, but. Uh, harrowing. Um, it's, oh boy. Uh, it is not easy. And I, um, I have never hated the sound of my own voice more. It is, it is so weird. And, and I don't just mean that the voice, it's also 
how many little clicks and spit bubbles and just I mean, oh, it is it is the worst first date kind of imaginable. It is mm-hmm. horrifying. And uh, yeah, you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. Not at all. Not at all. So it is quite the process. And I am far from mastering it, but I am doing it. Darn it. And I will say listening to your podcast and you being like, oh, yeah, I moved here and I was barely known with only like 50 um, uh, uh, audiobooks <laughs> under my belt and I'm going oh okay I'm just a baby I got this I could do this yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. have two Kurt I have and two. it does it does get better it gets Good. better Good. The, the mouth noise thing eventually bothers you less <laughs> and you get better at managing it but mostly you just get over the fact that everything is gross and you hate the sound of your own voice and <laughs> yes but yes. if you want if you want to finish the project Yes, exactly. You just got to push through. Yeah. Yes. And pushing through is kind of how it feels from start to finish. I'll tell you right now, the, the recording part is, is okay, but the editing just, oh my gosh, it takes me forever. Yeah. Sounds like you should outsource that. It kind of does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, life got a lot better when I stopped editing my own audiobooks. Oh, yeah, interesting. Does. Okay. Yeah. It's way yeah. better to send that out to to other people. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think a big part of it for me was the fact that I just wanted to be able to say I did it. You know, Mm -hmm. I wanted, I wanted to be like, Hey, I did this one from start to finish because spells weren't actually outsourced. And you're right. It was, it was a dream in comparison, but I also felt like I was, I don't know one of those like, Oh, you should do it yourself before you walk a mile in the shoes before you. (laughs) That's a really good perspective to have. It's, it's a good skill set to, to learn about, Oh Although yeah, we're all is about to hurt? get replaced by robots. So, <laughs> uh, okay, we could have an entire so. hour long talk about that, and I don't think we'd. I, I, it would be scary because I think it's coming yeah. for all our jobs. Yeah, I mean, I, I I also work in like a corporate environment right now, and yeah, they're dabbling with things, and I just am like, please stop. <laughs> like, uh, it's scary. It is, and I'm trying to change my mindset a little bit about it and think of it more as another tool in the in the tool belt but i i'm not there yet i'm not Mm -hmm. there yet i'll be real (laughs) no i think i think if we use it as a tool it could certainly be great yes when i think about using ai in audiobooks i think wouldn't it be great if the ai could just mimic my voice for just a couple of words and just fix that log Kurt? Yeah, no, that'd be great too if they could just take <laughs> just care of that run for the me. Whole thing for the epilogue. Uh, it's weird having somebody who's listened to the podcast on the podcast. Okay, now try because when a fan. we did all the other interviews, it hadn't come out yet. So yeah. this is <laughs> okay. Well, it's it's a little weird on the flip side too. It's like I've been invited to be on set of my favorite show. <laughs> awesome. Uh, welcome. Why? Thank to, you. Uh, it's yeah. as magical uh, as I hoped it would be. <laughs> Good. Good. Uh, but like for pickups and things like that or like that weird mouth thing that happens like it'd be great if ai could go in and just fix that for me right and not have to like spend another hour three weeks later fixing that stuff like yeah. th- you know that's a, that's an area where like those types of tools could be yeah. useful yeah um but not infringe upon the artistic nature of what we do yes which ultimately is what would happen if if we let that go to to robots yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's so. the, i think that's the thing that's most scary to us is that um there's a humanity or a human element to art that mm-hmm. it doesn't feel right to have replicated artificially it feels like it's a sacred area that has come under attack and i think that's right. what i think i think that you know uh, unfortunately i don't think it's going anywhere so i feel like our mindsets are going to have to change a little but it's a scary it's a scary world (laughs) i'm hoping it's a pendulum like we're really swinging to the far end of like look at all the things it can do and then people will realize like yeah but not as well (laughs) and it can kind of swing back and find an equilibrium exactly that like once enough people have to sit down and read an entire book written by ai or listen to an entire audiobook narrated by (laughs) ai once they've done that a few times and they go Okay, I can really start to see the seams uh, in this technology now. Like, let's bring it back. And then again, use it as a tool. Yeah. Yeah, To enhance the human element instead of replace it. Right. Yeah, totally. Real quick uh, before, I don't care if you put this here or at the the beginning, but I just want to say 
thank you so much for having me. This is really cool. And it is a, it is, uh, I know I'm a little young to say, but it's like a bucket list item for, uh, you know, for anyone who dreams of being an author one day. So just thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. And we we certainly hope you'll come back and chat again in the future. I would love to. And uh, uh, yeah. So thank you very much. Thank you. Justin was a lot of fun I to chat with. I adored He was, he was great him. fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you just heard is only the beginning. You can uh, listen to bonus episodes if you are subscribed to our Patreon at either the Dear Reader or Dear Listener level. Uh, and that episode will come out Monday. Yes. So not far, not far away, not long for you to have to wait. Uh, the fourth book in the Incarnate Accounts comes out in late November. And you can catch up on books one through three now. And that includes books one and two in audio. And if you have young people in your life who are queer fantasy enthusiasts, uh, you can check out Spellsworn and Spellsworn 2, which is the Journals and Journeys series. And if you want to follow or connect with Justin, you can find all of his social media info in the show notes for this episode. Same place you find all of our stuff. Mm-hmm. Just like every week, we want to hear from you. You can email us, hoofandfangpodcast.gmail.com. Uh, visit our website, hoofandfangpodcast.com, where you can also link to our Patreon. Please subscribe. Uh, and like we said, you have 10 days to subscribe at the Dear Listener level and automatically get a copy of our October audiobook, Prisoner by Gigi DeGram. Mm-hmm. Thank oh. you for listening. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, everyone. And we'll chat with you next week.